0: Hey guys, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that could really benefit from a tagline. I hope you're all enjoying the festive seasonal holiday of your choice. I know I am. I believe today's actually the solstice, so, uh, hope all you druids that are listening are having a nice time with that. Yeah, but if not, then, you know, enjoy whatever festive seasonal holiday you like. Oh dear. It seems as though I've become part of the war on Christmas. You guys, did you know there's a war on Christmas? Cuz there totally is. Yeah, cuz if you go outside you've noticed nobody's celebrating Christmas cuz of the war. I gotta say the war on Christmas seems to be going about as effectively as the war on terror and the war on drugs and the war on poverty. Maybe we should stop declaring war on things. It doesn't seem to be working that well. It's almost as if war is not the answer. You know, unless the question is what begets more war. Or maybe we should start doubling down on the effect of this doublespeak type thing and like declare war on things that we want to thrive because that seems to be the effect that it has. So let's cancel the war on drugs because I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. Drugs are doing pretty good. But maybe instead of that, we could declare war on more comics being drawn by Kevin McGuire. Because I think that would be fun. Or we could declare war on Patrick Rothfuss's new novel coming out. Or we could declare war on, oh, I don't know, serious things that we would like to have happen. But let's take advantage of this uh, this doublespeak shit and really, uh, you know, get some stuff going here. Yeah. Fingers crossed that the currently being waged war on civil rights goes as well as all the other wars. Anyway, I'm gonna kick back and enjoy my warm seasonal cup of platypus eggnog, spiked with just a tiny hint of platypus venom, and without further ado, let's ado this. Oh, and stay tuned after the show for a special Christmas song by friend of the show, Walkin' Fuss, who does the outro music for us, and Marcus Reynolds. It's a song called DIY Christmas that came out last year, and I love it. And so you guys should stick around and check it out. It'll be after the Hostess Fruit Pie Theater. All right. Thanks, guys. And thanks, Walkin' Fuss and Marcus Reynolds. Great job. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Zane Kipfmiller. Hi, Zane. If you're making money selling tons of blowfish, you'll probably make a million selling this synopsis. Thanks, Zane. I couldn't really figure out how to make blowfish and synopsis rhyme, but I do enjoy it as a synopsis. Zen Cohen. Thanks, Zane. New Teen Titans, number five. March, 1981. Trigon lives. Written by Marv Wolfman. Drotted by Kurt Swan. With inks by Romeo Tangal. New Teen Titan Roll Call. Robin, Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, Beast Boy, Raven, Cyborg, Starfire. Previously in New Teen Titans. An extra-dimensional antler-headed uber-douche named Trigon wants to take over the world so he can eat it or some shit. But sexy druid bird lady Raven thinks that would be bad. She asks the Justice League for help. They detect that Raven is genetically evil and decline to help her. They also start attacking the space wizards who are trying to keep Trigon from coming to Earth. What dummies. Raven forms a new team to stop Trigon and counter the JLA's wizard fighting. Maybe you've heard of them. The New Teen Titans. Trigon makes an Earth scientist into a glass-domed ponytailed telepath named Simon with a P and uses him as a cat's paw to form a team of villains called the Fearsome Five, who are not an old-school rap group, to fight Raven's team. The FF beat up the Titans a couple of times, then Simon mind-controls the Titans and has them fight the Justice League for some reason, which is weird because the Justice League was unwittingly helping Trigon already. The Titans fight the JLA into... Raven shows up and frees them from their mind control. She tells them to stop fighting the JLA and they do so. Hooray! Then she tells them to start fighting the JLA again, so they do so. Hooray! The teens fight their mentors to a standstill, but Trigon manages to break through a dimensional barrier that had been keeping him out of our universe. He says he'll be popping by soon, but first he's going to send his hype man Goron to pre-wreck the planet for him and get things set up just the way he likes them. The Titans call the League a bunch of fuck-ups, but the League says, oh yeah, well at least we weren't hypnotized into falling in love with Raven like Kid Flash was. Oh snap! The team expects Raven to deny these allegations, but no dice. They feel betrayed and storm off, leaving Raven alone on the weird asteroid rock that she goes to to yell at Trigon. Gadzooks! How long will the Titans hold a grudge against their emotion-manipulating bird lady buddy? Will the Justice League see the error of their ways and help their protege save the planet? Does Goron still look like a giant toddler made of turds and bad intentions the way he has in the last two issues? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so, about three or four pages. Nope. And, oddly, no. He looks more like a beefier, douchier Mr. Tumnus from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Weird, huh? After her teammates head back to their tower, Raven sticks around to yell at Trigon's disembodied eyeballs. Bad move, Raven. The four-eyed, antlered asshole in question responds to Raven's yelling by sending out the drome to his Morris Day, the Spliffstar to his Buster Rhymes, the Fonsworth Bentley to his Puff Daddy, Goron. Gotta say, Goron's arrival's a little anticlimactic. When he had been discussed in previous exposition scenes and some of the earlier issues, he was drawn at least Godzilla, if not Galactus-sized, with a giant head, wizard eyebrows, and was described as mindless and unbeatable. When he shows up now, he's like eight feet tall, which is pretty big. Uh, He has miniature Trigon antlers, and like I said, he looks kind of like a malevolent Mr. Tumnus. He also speaks English and talks sort of like a henchman in a kung fu movie. Still, he's pretty strong and appears to be more than a match for the pacifistic raven. She sends her astral bird form to go beg her teammates for help. The Titans are skeptical, but mostly agree to give her the benefit of the doubt and save her from Goron. Mostly. Kid Flash needs a little extra convincing, so Cyborg hangs back and uses a little reverse psychology on the Junior Wizard of Wiz and is like, Yeah, you'd sure be double plus unsad if the bird lady got all dead, huh? And Wally's like, dang it, and off to help out his buddies. Aw, nice work, Cyborg. The sex dead of superheroes arrive just in time to rescue Raven. They use the secret weapon of teamwork to take down the timeless-looking Trigon toady terrorizing their teammate. Hooray! The teens start celebrating, thinking they've saved the world, but Raven says, Wait, you guys thought that dude was Trigon? <laughs> no, 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 that was just Trigon's Fawnsworth Bentley. You still gotta fuck with the actual P. Diddy. By which I mean Trigon, not the actual P. Diddy. Although... I would totally buy a new Teen Titans vs. Sean Puffy Combs comic. Oh, oh man, or the Titans versus a team of hype men. Just like Jerome, Fonsworth, Spliffstar, Flava Flave, and, I don't know, Ben Carr from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Yeah, that would be a fearsome five I could really get behind. Anyway, Trigon figures the crowd is warmed up enough and struts into our dimension, yelling how he's going to wreck the joint. He also drops the knowledge that Raven is his daughter, which I think is supposed to be a big reveal, but come on, we, we all saw that one coming. I guess the Titans must have scooted off back to their tower because Trigon's alone with Raven. She shows a lack of filial piety as well as a surplus of chutzpah and tells Trigon to knock it off and go home. The antlered world eater declines and Raven pops off to reconvene with her teammates. Just as well, because Trigon has some house cleaning to take care of. He summons his underlings, Goron and Simon, before him and takes them to task for sucking so bad. Then he vaporizes them in a way that kills Goron, but I guess doesn't quite kill Simon, but still definitely vaporizes him. Just sort of non-lethally breaks him down to his component atoms. Fair enough. I gotta say, vaporizing your employees seems like it is a pretty serious HR violation, but I kinda get it. Those guys sucked. Having reduced his interdimensional payroll by two, Trigon gets back to work. He starts flying around New York, casually destroying random buildings. The Titans take note of his radical urban renewal. Beast Boy gives Cyborg a quick pep talk, and the team heads out to confront the antlered asshole. Well, most of the team. Raven pops back to the prog rock album cover she grew up on to entreat her mom and the other magic bird druids there for their help. Trigon slaps the shit out of the Titans. Hard. Fortunately, over on Azeroth, the aforementioned prog rock album cover, the bird druid ladies have some news for Raven. They have reached a decision. Hooray! Their decision is that no, they will not help, and also they would like Raven to go away. Forever. Boo! Also, that is the exact same decision they arrived at at the last issue. And I think in the one before that. At least they're consistent. Raven tells the bird druids that they suck. Fair enough. I guess Trigon must have gotten bored slapping the titans around because he shows up to agree with his daughter that the bird druids suck. Raven teleports the titans to Azeroth so that Trigon can beat them up some more, which he does hard. Robin hangs back and chats with Raven, one hero named after a bird that starts with an R to another. Raven informs him that she's reached a decision. She tells Trigon to stop killing her pals for a minute, because she has something to tell him. If he'll stop trying to destroy the earth, she'll go back to his shitty dimension with him and help him rule all of the planets there like a good daughter. Trigon agrees. Wait, he does? So this whole thing was just a custody battle? Trigon, Threatening to destroy the Earth is not how responsible adults settle custody disputes. Responsible adults settle custody disputes by competing in high-stakes arm-wrestling tournaments, like Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top. God, I love that movie. His name was Lincoln Hawk. How cool is that? I mean, yeah, it's no Dick Warlock, but still. Oh, uh, Raven and Trigon go back to his dimension, and the Titans are all super bummed out. But the Earth is safe. Oh, man. I wonder if Lincoln Hawk and Fonsworth Bentley would be friends i hope so and joining us once again is my good for many things brother cory cory how's it going going pretty good how
1: are you going i'm going okay (laughs) good so what'd you think i like this comic book so much better than the last comic book that we read yes
0: i agree nobody uses any racial slurs in it
1: nope i will say i like it i think
0: a little bit less than the last teen titans issue that we read i agree That being said, this is the first and I think it'll be the only for a while. I I don't know. And if I'm wrong, don't correct me, internet friends, (laughs) because I'll find out soon enough. And I like the surprises that life can bring. But I think this is the only one that we will be seeing for quite some time that is not drawn by George Perez. And I must say, Kurt Swan does a beautiful job. Yep it's I was expecting a huge drop off when it wasn't done by him, and certainly no offense to Kurt Swan. He was probably best known for doing the Superman for fucking ever. He was one of the primary Superman artists from like the sixties through the mid eighties, and he does a great job filling in here, and it also made me realize how much Romeo Tangal the Inker contributes to this because it's a very cohesive feel, yep. And so that was really cool. That being said, there are some inconsistencies that kind of bothered me with the art. And also there were a couple of things where you kind of got the impression that Wolfman was saying, um, no, wait, never mind." There there were a couple of things where he's like, okay, I'm just going to backtrack this and erase it from having happened because I changed my mind as to what I want to do with this story. Mm -hmm. One of those is this is the first full issue where we see Goron featured. And on the cover, he looks like a total badass. He's about to rip Cyborg apart. He's looking in his full, like, turd monster old man eyebrow. Fucking giant ghoulie <laughs> kind
1: oh of Oh my look. gosh, he does look like an orange ghoulie. Yeah, but only on the cover. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: on the inside, he's got a totally different look going on. Mm-hmm. The proportions
1: vary yeah. a lot with him and Trigon,
0: too. Yeah, I was super disappointed when Goron first showed up. Because we've been given this build up that it's like he's the fucking warm up act for Trigon and he's basically going to trash the whole goddamn planet. And then five teenagers beat him up pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And he is just like the size of a pretty big
1: guy. Or like a bear.
0: Yeah, like a bear. Like he's about as big as Raven and a half a Raven when he first shows up. And it's like, oh, well, I guess this is part of the problem you run into when one of the people you're using as a reference point for someone's size is the Atom, uh, uh, which was in the first time that Trigon that uh, Goron showed up. But also it just seems wildly inconsistent. And it, it, yeah, you're right. It came up with Trigon 2, where it's just like, wait, is this guy supposed to be like super big or just bear-sized? Or like Andre the
2: Giant-sized.
0: Yeah. Oh, Andre the Giant was the size of a bear. There we go. Good call. Thanks. No problem, thank you. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, what did you think of the general like feel of the issue?
1: It kind of reminded me of, you know when you have one of those dreams where you're like, ah, I've almost solved this thing, oh shit, here we go again. Like it had this sense of like, repetitive yeah,ness to it where Raven's like, ah, oh, mom, help me fight, and mom's like, no, fighting's bad. And she's like, yeah, but we need to fight. Like there was this really strong thread of peace can... Only be achieved through violence. Yeah, that was definitely
0: the message that they're trying to drive home. And that pacifists are really just cowards. Because if you really want peace, you have to fight for it using violence. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a bullshit concept, but also kind of necessary for superhero comics to work. Yep, but right. there's not going to be a superhero comic in which they use a series of sanctions over a long period of time to keep Trigon from coming to Earth, like with trade barriers or something. It wouldn't be effective. Or just like, oh, I know how we'll really stick it to Trigon tariffs. Yeah. Or just like Dove's going to just show up and start hugging Trigon. Oh, man. I think that might work. I think it's worth at least trying because one of two things is going to happen then. Either Trigon's going to get super uncomfortable and be like, um, um, um... I'm going to fuck off back to my home dimension.
1: Or he's going to vaporize Dove. And then Hawk's going to get mad and beat him up. Mm, either way. Or I get vaporized also, probably. Trigon's yeah. pretty powerful. Yeah, I'm fine with either of those things happening. <laughs> Aw. Do you remember what
0: happened when fucking Lilith collapsed in Dove's arms? Do you remember that oh, super stoked yeah. look that he got on his <laughs> yeah. face? I want Trigon to fucking vaporize that dude. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. That's harsh. I mean, it's kind of kind of douchey. Yeah, that's harsh, but fair. Yeah, like I said, like, the look of Goron, too, is super different once Swan draws him. Not just from when Perez had been drawing him previously, but kind of from one panel to the next. He's got Trigon's moose antler things in a couple of panels.
2: Moose heads.
0: <laughs> I do like when they call him moose head. But then, at the end, right before Trigon pulls his... Um, never mind, you're actually kind of a shitty world destroyer if five teenagers beat you up. Mm -hmm. Like, granted, they're pretty powerful teenagers, but that does pretty much mean, like, they did a very good job and they worked in concert. But the fact that these five guys working together that are a new team beat him up, they're not the most powerful superheroes in the world. Their teamwork's relatively new. I'm going to say they did a great job with their teamwork, but it also means that any, say, to be generous, ten other superheroes could have beaten him up. Mm -hmm. Like, we talking about Goron or? We're talking about Goron. Okay. Because, yeah, Goron, did I say Trigon earlier? I thought so. I may have. If I did, I apologize. Profusely. It's it's okay. And profoundly. Oh. And profanely.
1: Fuck! I'm
0: sorry! Ah, Fuck. (laughs) But when Trigon ends up vaporizing Goron for fucking up so bad, Goron looks kind of like Mr. Tumnus.
1: Who's Mr. Tumnus?
0: Uh, He's the fawn that they first meet in Narnia when
1: they get there. The kids do. Oh, weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, his second set of eyes, the tinier ones. Wait, Goron has a second tiny set of eyes? Oh, sorry. I did it. Now it's my turn. No, Trigon. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. I'm sorry. Profane apology. Yeah, no, uh,
0: Goron. He looks kind of just like a a regular fawn. And there's a couple. Also, when you were talking about the Mm Azarathians and their kind of bullshit deal where it's like, all right, I finally convinced them to have a meeting and then they have their meeting and then they're like, yeah, no, it turns out what we decided at that meeting was what we had already decided and told you before. And you can't leave. And you can't leave. But when she can't leave or she couldn't go back there.
1: Oh I think she was, was
0: banished from the place.
1: Oh, okay. They were like, go and don't come back. Yeah, but she had already been banished from there before. Not so, it, it, yeah,
0: you're right. It, it does have a certain kind of dream logic where it's like, I'm running, but I'm not getting anywhere feeling to it. But also, I was struck by the fact that it's like, oh, they're basically like the Council of Ents. Very slow to They're foresee. just sitting around while the whole war's going on and are just like, we'll reach a decision on it soon once we think about it. But they did. They did, and then they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, was... Azerath, not a great job. Uh, didn't Treebeard kick some orc butt? No, okay, the Ents did, but oh, okay. the Azerathians didn't. Okay, okay. I got confused, but I'm better. That's okay. No. Yeah, and then Goron also like has Simon come in, and he's like, it really, that whole scene where Simon is being chastised for working counter to Trigon's plan, it really was like Wolfman just realized, oh shit, what I had Simon doing didn't make any goddamn sense. Do you think Simon was doing a shitty job, or was he just a traitor, or
1: what was going on with that shit? I had the opinion that was kind of the first one that you posited where yeah, you know, Wolf, Wolfman, Wolfman was just like, oh, oops. Cause yeah, I read it actually a couple of times. I was like, "Why is what is happening here? Why did?" I was
0: annoyed because a shitty telepath with a shitty ponytail got vaporized, and I felt no satisfaction from it. Yeah, like
1: yeah. He's That now. should
0: have been a really fun moment for me seeing Simon get his tr- comeuppance. Cause I fucking hated Simon. Yeah, he was a douche. I hated Simon enough that I was rooting for Doctor Light, and I fucking hate Doctor Light. I am. But it was done in such a haphazard way that I, I really felt very little satisfaction in seeing him vaporized, but not killed.
1: Yeah, I'm scattering your
0: atoms. I'm just scattering your atoms, but it's got... they're fine.
1: <laughs> no, it's supposed to hurt forever.
0: It's hurt forever, but like scattering your atoms within the light stream, how is that not going to kill a dude? Dream logic. So Trigon controls dream logic? Magic shit that guy's scary as fuck Mm -hmm. we also saw some interesting character development with both cyborg i think Mm -hmm. and a little more in the same vein with beast boy kind of more of what we've seen in in the past though a little bit right just right just just more shoring him up a little bit yeah i found him more sympathetic in this issue than i normally do beast boy though slightly partly from his heart to heart with cyborg and that he exposed that side of his character to one of his teammates rather than just in soliloquies yeah i thought that was well done with cyborg i don't know how i feel about how they're developing his character What,
1: what do you have any thoughts on it did they explain who he was helping or hiding back at teen titan tower Or or was it it just him, like at the beginning when everybody left to go off on some mission, he was like, no, I need to hang out here alone. Oh, no, he did that to help out Kid Flash. To help out Kid Flash.
0: Yeah, he Um, wanted to talk, he wanted to convince Kid Flash through reverse psychology that
1: he needed to go help out and be part of the team. And then Kid Flash was like, I really want to be alone. He's like, yeah, that's cool. But anyway, here's... Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. He's like, yeah...
0: Fuck that bitch. She sucks, huh? Yeah. Doesn't she suck? And really kind of force Wally to be like, no, you're right. Uh,
1: I guess I'll go rescue her. She's my teammate. Okay. It's okay. not about she. Yeah. Yeah, That the lead up to that was a little confusing to me. So, yeah, I don't know. I want him to get stuff sorted out with his old man. I do, too. And we don't see a ton of that in this issue. But what we do
0: see is we see some of Cyborg's insecurities Which makes sense for his character. He is the only one on the team that is super new to the superheroing business or the battling business, and he's been doing a really good job, but it does kind of make sense to have him be a little hesitant or at least acknowledge the fact that this is shit that's all new to him. I'm okay with that. It did strike me as a little bit of like, oh, is that all they know how to do with black superheroes? Make them question whether they're worthwhile, whether they should be part of the team. I was worried we were heading in more mm-hmm. of a maldirection with Mal- yeah. it. The other thing that happened in this issue, which I don't think we've seen as much from Cyborg before, is Wolfman just started dropping a bunch of extra apostrophes in his speech and making him talk in more slang. Mm-hmm. Which is not something I think he had done before. And so it raises the question with me, who do you think has more apostrophes? Coriander, or <laughs> an alien, or a black character written by a white writer. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, we're talking a lot of apostrophes. Or is he suggesting that Cyborg might be an
1: alien? No, I don't think so. No, some such so you know, some othering going on via via the apostrophe. Okay, in, fair in, enough. In both uh, categories. Good, good uh, question though. Thank you. How do you think they get from
0: place to place? Like, there, there is the one moment where Robin finally complains that uh, Starfire is carrying him everywhere. Yeah, I should get a vehicle of some sort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he said that like such an old man. But... I know. That's normally the voice you were using for Goron earlier. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. But he's saying that he should get a vehicle of some sort. But even with a vehicle of some sort, didn't they leave the last issue, like, stranded on a weird asteroid thing? How do they get home? Then since Raven doesn't go anywhere, how do they get back to her? I always just thought Raven zapped them around. Yeah, but Nine she doesn't space. zap them around to go back to rescue her. Doesn't she? No, but remember they ran there. Like they
1: Oh oh. Yeah. No, not on Azarath, but on um back on Earth. But they're not on Earth. Man. Where the fuck are they? I'm confused. I don't know. Where are they? I don't know either. <laughs> Well, shit. That's not good. Okay, you don't have any opinion on that. We've, I my opinion is I'm confused. My opinion is I'm concerned because there ain't no problem.
0: James Brown comes out when I'm nervous. No, I understand. I'm sorry I made you nervous. It's okay. Yeah, where are they though? No, I don't know. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. There were a number of things in this issue that didn't really make any sense. It's not just okay. So, not podcast juice. I'm not saying that plays no role in this, but wait, so it it's plays. not just the podcasters. <laughs> glad we
1: got that sorted. How much podcast juice have you had, Corey? I think more than you this time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So the other thing that's disturbing about Goron yeah, is there's a scene in which he appears to be wearing a large, weird, what are the fake pubic hair things called? Merkin. Mer- Merkin? Yeah,
0: I wasn't sure about that either. Like, is that... We we had this a couple of issues ago Another with the demon. demon of the dark. Yeah, they don't know how to deal with demon demon bit. Pu- yeah, it's like well, it's <laughs> like well, he wouldn't be wearing clothes. Can we just give him like a super bush? <laughs> that's that's the demon. That's solution. that's like that- yeah, but fucker's scaly. Yeah, why has he got that shit? Or is he wearing like the He Man standard like super woolly underpants? Didn't look that way to me. You just think he's got like a super hairy bush? Is it possible? <laughs> That He-Man and all of the masters of the universe just had super hairy bushes (laughs) and that they were naked as well. Because I remember thinking that when I was a kid about those action figures was like, (laughs) that's got to be the most uncomfortable underpants ever. Why would you just wear underpants made out of wool and fur? That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, and then like that metal cross strap. Yeah, and his... then just, like, metal suspenders yeah. holding your woolly underpants up. That yeah. is some bad, bad costumes. It's terrible. Ah, uh, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't know how shit gets done on Eternia. They clearly had clothes. Like, they, even if they were wearing shit like fucking Tila's metal bikini,
1: King Roderick had a full set of clothing? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a trans... Formative, because when humans uh, print, yeah, Prince Adam's wearing a full fucking set of clothes. Prince Man gets close. So... Is
0: it possible that magic and fashion cloth are completely
1: incompatible? <laughs> Probably because cloth comes from science.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. That'll our old not... pal science v magic. Yep.
1: Boo. <laughs>
0: Boo! C-minus Eternia. Mm. Come back when you got some clothes. That don't suck. That don't suck. I mean... Or chafe. Yeah, that's true. That would be more chafing. than, Yeah. Unpleasant. (laughs) Speaking of unpleasant, you noticed a couple of times when we were going over the comic that I was giggling perhaps more than I normally giggle. Childlike, one might say. (laughs) (laughs) Well... There are several times in which Wally is having a conversation with Robin where he refers to Robin by his first name a lot. Oh,
1: I wrote that down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It really sounds like he's calling him a dick, but there is also one particular line that I fixated on and kept giggling in which punctuation is so important. But the first time that I read it, I read it with the wrong punctuation so I had Wally saying, don't give me that garbage dick.
1: Nobody wants that. It really cracked me up. Put that thing away.
0: Ah, I don't want that garbage dick. <laughs> that was really funny to me because yep. I am a child. Or at least I was bitten by a radioactive child and have this proportional strength and powers of a child. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mostly just in a sense of whimsy. Really, there are virtually no crime-fighting capabilities that would go along with these powers. Nope. But I did find that line super funny. Yes. One thing that I was struck by was the inconsistency in Raven's powers, which she defines in this issue perhaps as for the first time as being empathy. She is an empath. She has empathy-based powers. Mm -hmm. Those empathy-based powers seem capable of doing anything Mm -hmm. they are treated like magneto's powers in like a silver age comic where it's just like oh i can use them to hypnotize people because magnetism yeah there's a scene in which she fills the rest of the titans in on all of her backstory through empathy Mm -hmm. i can make them understand because understanding is a feeling it's like no no that's not how that shit works no, it's not. I can make them feel what it's like to be right here, so I can teleport them. Mm-hmm. Basically, anything that starts with tele, she can do through empathy powers. Like, she can teleport, she can do telepathy. Kind of cheating. Huh? Yeah, totally cheating. This is also, I think, the first issue where we have the big reveal. It's been hinted at before, certainly. Oh, daddy. yeah,
1: Trigon's her dad. Were you surprised, or did you see that one coming? No, I mean... I knew she had some stuff going on, some demon-related stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, from our conversations or the internets or... I think Zatanna
0: in the last issue uh, said that she had a big evil insider. Yep. And so. she's like, no, that's in my heritage. Mm-hmm. I'm genetically evil, but culturally...
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good.
0: <laughs> I am good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, wouldn't know. I wasn't hugely surprised by that. Yeah, it... Did the way
0: that the issue played out, though, I wonder if maybe Wolfman had seen Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back recently? No, it wouldn't be Empire Strikes Back. And he definitely hadn't seen Jedi: Return of the Jedi. Because there's the big Return of the Jedi moment where she's like, I can tell there's still good inside you. It's like, wait, what do you mean still good inside him? When was he good? When he was a baby, he blew up a planet. That's true. Like yeah, what good are you sensing inside that dude? Yeah. Bad empathy. That guy is a straight up jerkwad.
1: Yeah, all the time.
0: Yeah, just 100% jerkwater. Mhm. <coughs> jerkwater. That's also a uh, insult that Cyborg gives. Yeah, Cyborg used. flings that thing around. Mhm. It's a pretty sweet burn. Do you have any guesses as to who the Teen Titans Tower building benefactor might be? We see him once again lurking
1: in the shadows. I do. I really want it to be Mr. Jupiter, but I think... Yeah, I want it to be Jupiter too. It's, it's, I think it's Cyborg's dad.
0: I think so too, and I think they gave an inadvertent clue, and I think that is partly due to Kurt Swan's art. I think that Perez had been more intentionally vague in the shadowing, but in this it is actually pretty clear that it is presenting the shadowy profile of a black man. And if there's one thing I have learned from Teen Titan comic books, and really comic books in general, it is that if there are two black people in a comic book, they are probably related or they're going to start dating.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Cyborg's dad.
1: Yep. I had the same deductions.
0: Yeah. Still doesn't explain why they're just so... Blase about the fact that, like, yeah, we're probably living in this trap.
1: Exactly. Mm.
0: There's also, I think, an intentional clue of that a smile spreads across the mysterious benefactor's fleshy face. Yeah, what's up with that? I think they're making sure that we know that uh, being a cyborg isn't genetic. Uh Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I was just like, oh, that's a weird way to phrase that. Yeah, it makes it sound like he's corpulent or something yeah and he like we can see his profile the one thing that we know about him for sure is that this is not a fat man
1: no yeah seems seems to be yeah pretty pretty buff good bmi what bmi body mass index oh which is actually i just thought you
0: meant yeah that's what i hear i hear that's total bullshit Mm -hmm. but i thought you were just saying you could tell he had good bms I, and, and I can't tell that from his profile, but I thought maybe you saw something I didn't. <laughs> I don't have that ability. That's probably for the best. <laughs> probably.
1: Even... That's the most useless thing to notice. <laughs>
0: see, see that guy over there? <laughs> regular. Very regular. That guy? Very. Other guy? Nope. That lady over there? Irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> IBS. <laughs> Up IBS. the wazoo. Man.
1: Literally. <laughs>
0: I just looked down at my notes again and saw that I wrote, don't give me any of that garbage dick. Oh, don't do it.
1: (laughs) Nobody wants any.
0: (laughs) Oh, on that super (laughs) mature note. Yes. You ready for the minutiae? Indeed. Then why don't you do something about it, Corey? Oh, I gotta sing us in. Minutiae! All right, let's
1: start off with
0: the sound effects. What was your favorite sound effect in this issue?
1: It was my favorite, in a sense, because it was so awkward. I'm not actually sure what real sound, how to... It was the sound of a Trigon hitting Beast Boy with his staff, and it made the sound... Batroc!
0: Batroc! What
1: page was that on? Page 23.
0: I'm gonna look at that, because that sounds funny, and I didn't catch it. Yeah. Batrock Patrock, Patrock. <laughs> Do you think it is possible <laughs> that it is the noise that Morris Day makes when he goes backstage and hassles the kid in Purple Rain? Like bah No, you're right. That's baha. That's uh. Bah-huh? Hey, kid. How's the family? Bah. Yeah. Bah. Nah. No. Okay. He doesn't say bah. He's not a chicken. <laughs> He's Morris Day. Bah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, it's not the same it's not the same note. But I wonder if it's it's said the
1: same way. If it's like a patroc <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like a like a ricochet noise, maybe. Huh. Because otherwise it doesn't make sense as a sound it effect. Doesn't make sense.
0: And I had a different sound effect that I didn't think made a ton of sense. My favorite sound effect is when the Teen Titans are hanging out in their mysterious tower that they don't know where it's it's from, but they still feel fine living in it, and the alarm sounds and the alarm says, "clang."
1: <laughs> that, was, that was my backup too. It's like that's it's like, the worst fucking did, alarm they, I've ever is heard. Is there
0: an alarm? Did they just set up some pots and pans? Like and just, just what? The hell? Just, it's just, like, clang! Yeah, clang. It's, it's a single use. It's like that frying pan fell on a sheet of metal. Now we gotta go that, set it that up again. That is, ah, jeez. Every time I've wanted to trip the alarm, somebody has gotta go put that pan back up on
1: the string. <laughs> All right, Robin. It's your turn. Fine. We'll eight have eight. to go sit there. Yeah. Don't get me any of that garbage stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
0: that that was my favorite sound effect. But yeah, there were and there were not a ton of them. There were I think four in the whole issue. I went over it and then one was like a wham and like there were pretty basic sound effects except for those two. And it didn't see. I don't think Kurt Swan has as much fun with the sound effects as Perez does, which which, which is kind of a shame. But he did give us a couple of. uh Real think pieces. Yep. Real way homers on those sound effects. Real butroc. What was your favorite show and tell moment? And there were quite a few to choose from in this.
1: There were quite a few to choose from. My favorite, which I think was the the first. It was the first. It was on page one, and it was Raven stating to herself as as the Titans are walking away from her after her big lies, saying, "It's no use. They turn away from me." <laughs> That is pretty blatant. My my two—they were
0: both Trigon-related. They were both things that people thought when Trigon was doing things to them. One was from Kid Flash. Good God, I'm sinking into the earth. <laughs> he looks can't so stop spinning. The other one is Simon when Trigon is making him kneel, saying out loud, "Pressure, forcing me groundwards." Yep,
1: yep, I had those those runners up.
0: Yeah, there there is, I feel like, a little bit more of that. And I feel like the pressure's off with this issue a little. I feel like they got to the Justice League thing. They know what the sales numbers are. I think the series is going to be fine. But there was definitely a rush job on this, which is partly why there's even a little note in the letter column that Wolfman finally got the, the words in on time, but Perez was too busy, so we handed it to Kurt Swan. The art doesn't seem forced or doesn't seem rushed on this. I, I think they did a really good job with the art. It seems like a rushed job with the writing. And there's a lot of backtracking and a lot of, oh, this thing I thought I was going to do, I'm not going to do. And there's some inconsistent voices with the characters, I feel like. It, w- which is interesting. And it, it makes you kind of realize what extent the writing and the art kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. At one point, I, I couldn't. Find the tone that was right with this, there's a scene where Raven is addressing Trigon, and it just seems so out of character for Raven, the way that she said it, and I kept trying to read it different ways, and I
1: couldn't really make any of them make sense. She doesn't seem to try and reason with him an awful lot, and we've already really established that's not super productive
0: yeah but i'm I'm fine with that. it was the the exact okay i can't make I can't read this in a way that makes sense for Raven's character. God, Trigon, you have an entire dimension to devastate. Why must you destroy ours as well? Like, how in Raven's voice can you start a sentence to Trigon with the word God?
2: Like, she's
0: not calling him a God there. I had that question, though. It's a weird piece of slang where it it doesn't make sense. Like, the punctuation makes it not make sense. Much like the comma saves the phrase, don't give me that garbage dick. It ruins this, and, like, she can't be saying, God Trigon, because there's a comma. So she's saying, God Trigon, or I'm sorry, God Trigon, you have an entire dimension to devastate. Why must you destroy ours?
1: God. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I actually had the same uh, question. Was she saying, God Trigon, or God God, Trigon, like, seriously, Trigon. So rolling
0: my eyes. Oh, my God, Trigon. You are the worst. Like, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) So grody. (laughs) No. I don't use this phrase lightly, Corey, Mm. but Trigon is grody to the max. Oh, yeah. To the max. That's the maximum level of groaniness. It's disgusting. None could be more grody. No. Hmm. Speaking of grody to the max, let's take this conversation to the Bozone, where we determine who had the best insult. What was the best insult in this issue, Corey? Okay,
1: this wasn't necessarily the best insult, but it did involve Robin's actual name and it's... Um, I don't know why it just, it cracks me up whenever anybody <laughs> uses the word crazy and as Cyborg, uh, to Kid Flash saying, are you crazy dick? <laughs> it just cracked me Wait, up.
0: Wait, Cyborg wouldn't be saying, are you crazy dick to Kid Flash?
1: I mean, Kid Flash is saying that to, to Robin, but what, what Cyborg does say that I thought was funny is, um, to act your age and not your shoe size. S- no, specifically he says, act your age, sneaker not size. your
0: sneaker size. Which I like the callback to Kid Flash's sneaker obsession.
1: Mm-hmm. He's a real
0: sneakerhead. Yep. I, I don't think any Air Jordans are out yet. So I don't know what sneakers he's obsessed with. Probably the Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson Converses. I don't know that those were out yet either. I myself am a piss poor sneakerhead. I'm sorry. God, Hub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Corey, my sneaker knowledge mm. is grody to the max.
1: Oh, that's pretty grody.
0: Yeah, I had a few. So I've got two that are by Trigon and then I've got my actual favorite. The two Trigon ones are pretty good, though. One is not so much the insult, but the phrasing that I just loved in this. And it made me wonder if this was the first time this phrase had been used and if it perhaps inspired other things. The puny powers you display serve only to whet my appetite for destruction.
1: Whoa. Is that where the phrase appetite for destruction came from? Pretty sure Axl Rose was reading this as a young man. And it's like,
0: yeah, Trigon's the best. I'm going to grow my hair out. <laughs> he I'm to grow my hair out and wear a bandana so that people can't tell that I don't have four eyes and moose antlers. Woohoo <laughs> <laughs> To the jungle. <laughs> I always thought that the lyrics to that, I think we've talked about this before, we're, Welcome to the jungle, we've got funny names. <laughs> yeah. Because they do have funny names. stuff. Duff, Izzy, Axel, Slash, all of them. Yeah, funny names. Um, (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) I think people have heard that people in Guns N' Roses have funny names No, 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 their origin story, the whole Trigon thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The other thing that that just reminded me of, uh, like, oh, is that where a hair metal thing came from? I was thinking about Motley Crue recently. As happens from time to time. Sure. You used to have a Black Velvet Motley Crue poster that kind of scared me. It was the Theater of Pain one. Yes, it was. And uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty spooky. It, yeah. uh masks crying blood. Mm-hmm. Not as creepy as I thought your cr- your cramps poster was. Oh, oh yeah. Bad yeah. music for bad people. Yeah, that scared me. Oh, uh, it scared me a lot. They're scary. Yeah.
1: Scary folks.
0: But... I was wondering whether Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out before Too Fast for Love or if Too Fast for Love came out. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they got the name for that song from that thing Short Round said. And then I was like, <laughs> no time
1: for then... <laughs> that, Dr. Jones. <laughs>
0: this was my thought process that went on for about a minute. And then I laughed at myself because in my mind, I was remembering Short Round as saying, too fast for love, Dr. Jones. <laughs> it loves Motley Crue. No. And then I remembered this like, no, he says no time for love, Dr. Jones. That is so different. <laughs> that did not inspire <laughs> Motley Crue. And it's also, I don't know what the timing is. It's possible that Too Fast for Love came out before uh, Temple of Doom. And it's irrelevant because they are different phrases and re- express different thoughts. That is true. But. I do really want to believe that Appetite for Destruction was. It's probably, they're probably both references to classic literature. If I'm wrong about this, internet, don't tell me. Just let me be wrong. Let me roll around in my ignorance like a dog who found a dead bird on the beach. I like the way it smells. Mm. The other Trigon quote that I really enjoyed is, Simon, at last I have my quizzling before me.
1: What, yeah, what does that mean?
0: Uh, quizzling uh, just means like spineless worm underling. It, it, it's it's rad. It's a rad word. I've always enjoyed it. I was stoked to see it in
1: here. I didn't know that was a word. I thought he just made it up, and I thought, oh, that sounds sounds like a pretty good insult. Dismissive? Yeah. It is, in fact, dismissive. It's but a very old word.
0: Somebody that like goes to take quizzes for you when you don't want to. Exactly. That is, I believe, the origin of the word. Mm. There, there was another, there, there was a line that made me believe that Beast Boy gets a lot of, we know that he's an actor, this line read like it was a line from a, from a Damon Runyon short story, he's the guy that wrote uh, the short stories that guys and dolls mm. were inspired, and in fact one of my favorite words is Runyon-esque, which would describe this type of dialogue, oh, I didn't write down the whole dialogue, I just wrote down the word, pulchritudinous, I had to ask you. opinion. Pul- of more pulchritudinous sex. That's the kind of Damon... I love that word. It means pretty. And it's the kind of word that mixed with slang is exactly the type of dialogue that Damon Runyon would ascribe to gangsters. And that idea is still with us when certain people write gangsters. There's a character in some of Frank Miller's Daredevil stuff. Most of his mob characters end up talking in very Runyonesque dialogue, which I really appreciate. But I really enjoyed the use of the word pulchritudinous, which I am probably mispronouncing. It is a word that I think I have literally only ever seen written down. But, good word.
1: I feel like I saw it written down for the first time in this comic book. That may be the case. Hmm. Have you read many Damon Runyon short stories? I have read exactly zero of them. I'll have to. Uh... I
0: would recommend at least doubling that amount. My mouth's not very good, but I get your. I see what you did there. Yeah, I made a math joke. Because hey. I'm cool. My favorite insult, and the one that really took me into the bozone, zone, is Cyborg saying, Hey, jerkwater, if you're hungry, how about sucking on some laser blasts? Woo! Burn! Hey, Corey, hmm.
1: did I just have a stroke? Because I smell toast. Oh, damn. Uh huh. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was a that was a good one. I like that too. Yeah, did you already had yours? Yes, I already had mine. Um, other than that, I also appreciated when Cyborg, who was kind of on a roll with the insults this mm-hmm. issue and in general, calls
0: Trigon Moosehead. I like it when he calls him Moosehead. I like it when he uh, says that somebody should lock Beast Boy in a safe. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's very specific, and it made it seem like he had maybe thought that one through a little bit. Yeah, I totally can (laughs) empathize with that. I'm not even
1: Raven. All right, so, sartorially speaking, Mm. what do you want to talk about? I feel like there wasn't a lot of change from past issues in this in terms of outfits to talk about. That's true. And I voted for Trigon in in the past because he's got a pretty dope getup. So I went for a variation on that. And it's what I call uh, Trigon as George Clinton in the sky. Oh, okay.
0: On page one. Now, that's an interesting choice because in that you cannot see anything that Trigon is wearing. He is a shadowy figure. Yeah. I just thought he looked kind of like George Clinton. Yeah, which made me think. He's cool. (laughs) Okay. That's not really a fashion choice, though. I, I mean, I guess appearing as a cloud of smoke is a fashion choice. Which I do, you're right, I do have to believe that is how George Clinton generally appears. <laughs> My choice is also Trigon. I feel like we get a little bit more detail in his outfit, his showgirl style outfit that we commented on before. It's a sweet loincloth that has, I think, a stylized picture of himself on it. What? Take a look at it. Those look like some moose antlers.
1: Oh, shit, yeah. It's got, like, a buckle kind of where his stick would be. Yeah. <laughs> with his, it's got, with, with face. his face on it. <laughs> that is a crazy
0: look. Damn. Yeah, it's a stylized cartoonish version of Trigon, I think, is carved onto the front of his loincloth, which made me realize a couple of things. One, that is, like, taking the gargoyle's, like, ring with your head on it. Mm-hmm. Like times 11, Mm -hmm. which just shows a lot of chutzpah. Indeed. And I appreciate that. The other thing it made me realize is Trigon has a line in this that is, none of my other children survived. Mm -hmm. When he's like, yeah, Raven, you can come rule the universe with me. I think one of his other children may have survived and somehow made it into this dimension and started selling motherfuckers Hawaiian Punch because that belt buckle... Looks kind of like Trigon. It looks a lot more like the Hawaiian Punch spokesperson, Uh, Punchy, who also appears to have moose antlers and likes to smash and likes to destroy things. Mm. I think Punchy is Trigon's illegitimate son. Oh, shit. Yeah. Damn. We're through the looking glass here. Wake up, sheeple. Punchy is Trigon's illegitimate son. Stop drinking Hawaiian Punch. It's going to allow him into our dimension. So.
1: His name is Punchy?
0: Yeah, his name's Punchy. <laughs> you know why? Uh, Because he likes to punch. Yeah. Yeah. Every issue has a Speedy, the worst of Teen Titans. But every issue also has an Aqualad, the best of Teen Titans. Corey, in your opinion, who is this issue's Speedy?
1: This was actually tough because of the real kind of emphasis on teamwork uh-huh. makes the dream work that's like, true everybody did their best to pull their weight that's true if i have to kind of rank the combat effectiveness i guess of the individual you can rank members, them by any criteria you see fit i gotta say beast boy did amount the least amount in my opinion that does
0: seem to be the case in terms of sheer combat when they have their one big success taking down goron it does kind of seem like he more or less sat that one out. Uh, and, and he asks like, what do I do, Robin? And Robin says, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's like, oh, yeah, fuck oh it off. okay. But I really appreciated the little pep talk that Beast Boy hung back and gave to Cyborg. Mm-hmm. I think that I have to give it this issue. You're right, it was tough because it is a generalized teamwork thing. At the end, when they are fighting Trigon and sacrificing themselves really clearly just like, No, we know we can't beat this guy. We know we're not powerful enough, but we're still going to go down swinging. Mm -hmm. Robin just kind of sat that one out. Now, I know he doesn't have any superpowers, but dude could have at least flung a couple of batterings. But he's like, no, you guys all fight. I'm going to maybe talk to Raven's mom over here. I'm the leader. Um, Yeah. um, Good. Good job. Nice. Nice hustle, guys. Mm -hmm. Way, Way to be good fighting uh so i actually gave my speedy to robin this one although you're right he he did show leadership and he came up with a plan to take down goron which the plan was everybody hit him at the same time yep attack yeah but then his final plan is to quote cobra commander retreat yeah well <laughs> but not for everybody else just for him mm-hmm. so i i gave i gave that one to him i suspect we may be in accord on the aqualad of this issue who did you have I had I had Raven. Yep, me too. Uh, Self sacrifice gives her gives herself up to her shitty dad. She's gonna go live at her shitty dad's house. It's probably nothing to eat in that fridge. Makes hell look like a paradise. Yeah, something. he's a confirmed bachelor. There's there's no pizza pockets in that freezer. No, oh, maybe um, an olive. Yeah, probably olive gonna solitary. Just, like, old have olive an old cocktail olive for breakfast. Ugh. Yeah but she's willing to take the bullet for the team and save our whole universe and just go be like, hey, leave this dimension alone. I'll go be a jerk in your dimension for you. Mm -hmm. Makes a big sacrifice. I appreciate it. Way to go, Raven. Where this issue is Aqualad.
1: Agreed. What was your favorite panel in this issue? Um, Page 15, Trigon attacks. And that's where he's flying over the city just fucking shit up shooting laser beams out of all of his fingers and it's kind of funny i actually had
0: page 15 but i had the top part of page 15 which is all of the titans running it's single panel so it's kind of an odd choice but it's a solo shot of all of the titans running to face trigon in battle and has what each of them is thinking as they run into battle and it's it's really nice i mean it definitely is a show and tell moment but i i I really enjoyed it. I, I, I appreciated it. I thought it was some nice character building. So that that was one of mine. My other one was page ten, which I call Trigon stands tall, and it's the oh, one yeah, where yeah. you see his son Punchy on his <laughs> uh, lowered belt buckle, but it's just him kind of towering over, standing strong when he first gets to our dimension in his fully corporeal form, and uh, he's yeah, kind of giving Raven the news. And she is freaked out, but it's a really beautifully drawn panel. Yep. So, anything else you want to bring up? Nope. Thank you so much for joining us as we read this very special issue of the new Teen Titans. Why was it so special? I don't know. I'm kind of drunk. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. If uh, you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland.gmail.com. You can find us... Online, in places where things are found online. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and all of your fine podcast vendors throughout the internets. Uh, we're up on Twitter at, at TTWasteland underscore. And if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so at patreon.com backslash TTWasteland. Thanks so much for listening. I love hearing from all of you guys. And uh, yeah, we will be back next week with the Defenders well, they go looking for Silver Surfer's home uh, in Four Against the Gods. Pretty cool issue title. Mm. And we'll be back in two weeks with New Teen Titans number six and maybe find out how uh, Raven's doing with her deadbeat dad. Yep. Thanks for joining us and don't give me that garbage dick. Delicious, delicious.
1: Oh, don't put those two phrases <laughs> next to
0: each other. <laughs> Superman in Superman Saves the Weather Satellites. Hundreds of miles from Earth, weather satellites are on a collision course. This is no accident. Someone's programming a disaster in space. The evil Tara and Fortran have taken control of the computer in Star Labs outside Metropolis. I'll set up my own satellite empire. All the TV stations will have to come to me for the weather forecast.
1: I don't want to destroy the access terminal, so I'll have to distract them. Gee, Tara. let's
0: take a break for these hostess Twinkie Cakes. I think some elemental contact is in order. This golden sponge cake is delicious. I
1: go for the yummy creamed filling. Now that I've terminated that program, I can head back to Scoop Lois on the story. You'll
0: get a bit (laughs) of delight in every bite of Hostess Hostess Twinkie Cakes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that Tara.
0: (laughs) She's beautiful.
2: Oh, shit. give gifts, I give gifts, my wish list. A Christmas missive of ambitious just like a rich kid. Pocket full of dollars, I steady stay trained. I dress a present you shredded, I watch your face change. Got your size, copping measurements, the clothes fit. Caught you by surprise, now you're in this dope shit. Check me in December toward the end of the month. I'm Kris Kringle in a pair of Jordans ready to stun. So treat me like a beacon shining ride right at the Man, I abhor department stores and all malls get the Heisman. Cause the crux of my vision is the mission to score. I want to get the gift that's never been given before. So when I'm sealing the class, you gotta understand the feeling, peeling Mod Podge off of my hand. At last, the craftsmanship, the unique sight. My mug snuggled up Gonna against your twinkling my light. Face on these Christmas balls, watch the So competition gifted and I'm about to win it, yo! I got beef with commercial last Christmas gold leaf I'm camping by a lamp and weaving wreaths Take me to town, don't even bother I got 40 presents up in here now to please any father Dark day when you parlay the hard way Got your lady a gift card, hey, from Tarjay Man, I wouldn't touch that gift Me neither, you should pick her something crazy to say that you need her. take it place your face in some vacant space So encased in paste, you'll say this J was late. You'll get a year when these punks want to substitute junk for cheer put the listless gift given let it sit on the shelf. you want to have a bitch and christmas shit do it yourself put my face on these bar-